right. <clears throat> Thank you, Brent. All right, if you haven't already, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, because we're having a Bible study, and so you need to have your Bible open in order to study it. And uh, you might be thinking, how are we still in Acts chapter 9? Well, here we are. We are still in Acts chapter 9, but this is the last Sunday, and then we're going to move out, out of Acts chapter 9. Um, but in chapters 9 and 10 of Acts, we really find ourselves at the heart of the book, and so that's why we've spent so much time here. Um, and if you haven't picked up on it, these two chapters, they're all about conversion, in fact, in these chapters, Acts 9 and 10, Luke tells two conversion stories back to back. That's what he's doing here at the heart of the book. He shares these two very important conversion stories back to back. And so there's this great emphasis here on conversion, and therefore as we've studied these, this chapter, uh, I've been talking a lot about conversion. And um, several weeks ago now, I share with you one of my favorite thinkers and writers, Scott McKnight, uh, how he defines conversion. I think this is a great definition. Uh, but he writes, conversion tells the story of an old life transformed into a new life. That's a great definition of what conversion is. It tells the story of an old life transformed into a new life. He goes on to say, the telltale sign of conversion is a rewritten autobiography. A rewritten autobiography. I love that. That's so good. You know, a great question to ask ourselves is, how has Jesus rewritten our autobiographies? How's that, how's he rewritten your autobiography? Because that's your conversion story. Here's who I was, then I met Jesus, and here's who I am now. That's conversion. Old life transformed into new life. A rewritten autobiography. Well, as we've learned, uh, chapter 9 is, is all about the conversion of Saul, the man who uh, will become better known as the Apostle Paul. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and that encounter changed everything for him. His life was never the same. It, it rewrote his autobiography. And not only was he converted, but he was also called. He had a very important calling on his life. Two weeks ago, we talked about that. We looked at the difference between conversion and calling. And as you are well aware, you know, I summarize my calling with the phrase dentistry to ministry. And I got to just pause right here just for a second, if you'll allow me, to say thank you to so many of you who just inundated my cell phone and my email with your version 
of ministry to dentistry. I had a, two, two Sundays ago, I had a wonderful afternoon just reading all of, all of your dentistry to ministry rhymes that you blessed me with. They were all really good. I had, a, I had fun reading those. And I hate to just single out one of them, but I'm going to um, because they were all so good. But this one, it moved way up my list. And it made it into the third spot. It made it into the third spot. So I thought, well, I need to, I need to mention this one. Um, again, they were all so good. My first one is dentistry to ministry. That started it all. And then my second one has always been tooth to the truth. Um, because My friend Jehoshaphat. I've got a friend named Jehoshaphat. Who, uh, he, that, he came up with that one. And uh, that one's always been number two. But then my number three has been um, from gingivitis to God inside us. Alan Cope, you may remember Alan and Christy Cope. Alan Cope came up with that one. That's been in that third spot for a number of years until two weeks ago. Jonathan Francis, my man over here, Jonathan, his wife, Lauren. Jonathan emailed me uh, last Sunday afternoon, and it was from the floss to the cross. That's number three. That's, that made it right into anytime I share my calling story from the floss to the cross. That'll preach. That's good. And my family will tell you, like, I'm a big flosser. I mean, there's reasons that really hits home. I, I, but from the, uh, that's, that's a good one. I had to share that one. But that's my calling. That's not my conversion story. That's important. We kind of made that difference. Uh, two weeks ago, Paul had an important calling on his life. He was the chosen instrument of the Lord to carry the name of Jesus to the Gentiles. In fact, he'll become known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And so that's chapter 9 is about the conversion and the calling of Saul. Well, then chapter 10 is about another conversion. It's about the conversion of Cornelius. And like Saul's conversion, this is an important conversion as well. Cornelius will become known as the first Gentile disciple. Now, it's interesting that the one who will become known as the apostle to the Gentiles will have no part in the conversion of the first Gentile. Instead, that honor is given to the apostle Peter. And there are some important reasons why Peter's the one chosen to bring the first Gentile to Jesus. And we'll discuss those reasons when we look at the conversion of Cornelius in chapter 10. However, this morning, here at the end of chapter 9, uh, in verses 32 through 43, this section serves as a transition between the two conversion stories. So between the conversion of Saul and between the conversion of Cornelius, we have this transition section. You know, in order to tell these two important conversion stories back to back, you have to bring Peter back into the story. And so that's what Luke does in this section. He brings Peter back into the story because at the beginning of the conversion story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and verse 5, we see where the angel's going to tell Cornelius to send men to Joppa 
to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. You'll find him there staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And so in reading the conversion story of Cornelius, one might ask, what in the world's Peter doing in Joppa, staying down by the sea with a tanner? When and how did this happen? What's that story all about? Well, this transition section here at the end of chapter 9 connects the dots for us between these two great conversion stories. You have the conversion of the apostles, the apostle to the Gentiles, and then you have the conversion of the first Gentile. And so you have this transition section between the two. And so here's the quick summary of this section. This section's about two encounters. In Peter's travels about the country, he encounters a man from Lydda, and then he encounters a, a woman from Joppa. And due to these two encounters, many people turn and believe in Jesus as Lord. And so, so Peter decides to stay in the area for a while because of all the fruitful ministry. There's a, there's a tanner named Simon who lived by the sea. And I have to just confess, just for a brief moment when I was a kid, I thought that a tanner was someone who sunbathed for a living. It just kind of made sense, right? He lived by the sea. He's a tanner. Uh, but that's not what he was. Instead, he, he skinned the hides off of animals for a living. That's what he did. Um, but more importantly, he was just very hospitable, right? He was very hospitable, and so he had a place for Peter to stay while he was doing uh, ministry in the area. And so at face value, that's the reason for this text. Luke places... Peter and Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house prior to telling the conversion story of Cornelius. There you go. That's it. I mean, we can have a closing song. That's, that it's, it, that's kind of this section. That's what it's there for, is to, is to introduce what's coming next. Get Peter in the right geographical location. But there's more to these two encounters than that. And that's what I want us to look at together uh, this morning. You know, we read in verse 32 that Peter was traveling about the country, visiting the saints. Now, the same word translated saints in verse 32 is translated in verse 41 as believers. And, and, and what it means, it, it means, it's that word that you, you might be familiar with, it means holy ones. It means those who are set apart. But even with that definition, that's kind of putting it into a religious context. The root meaning of the word is different. You just kind of boil the word down to what it means at its root. It means different. And I like that because at our root, Christians should be different. At our foundation, we're different. Now, people don't like to be different. Yet conversion 
is about becoming different. You know, help us think about this. Let me, let me ask you a question this morning in this way. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? I think all of us who are Christians would quickly, without hesitation, say yes, right? He's, he's made a big difference in my life. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference that Jesus has made in your life? That's your conversion story. I, uh, I shared this story with you several years ago now. It's been a while. But uh, it's one that gets told a lot still around our house. Um, we were at Chick-fil-A one day, and we were standing in line. And this little girl came up to me. And she was not any taller than my waist, but she was spunky, full of life. And uh, she looked up at me and put her hands on her hips like this, and she said, why are you so tall? You're like, I'm standing here in line, and you're like freaking me out because you're so tall. (laughs) And it, you know, took me back just a bit, so I just said, well... I said, my dad's tall. She said, you mean to tell me your dad's as tall as you? And I said, well, no. She said, well, I didn't think so. <laughs> well, she goes on to play with William in the, uh, at Chick-fil-A there in the playground. And she kind of brings her spunky little self over to William. And she says, now, why are you black and your family's white? And he didn't skip a beat. He said, you never heard of adoption? (laughs) She said, no. He said, well, you need to go ask your mama about that. (laughs) She was something else. But the the point in sharing that is, for that little girl, my height and William's adoption made us look different, made us look very different to her. You know, there is something different about us. And the difference made her interested in us. And part of what these two encounters teach us here is that when Jesus makes a difference in our lives, other people become interested in them. So let me ask you again, how has Jesus made a difference in your life? Because if conversion tells the story of an old life transformed into a new life, then tell me the difference between your old life and your new life. All right, in our text today, Peter has these two encounters. One's with a man named Aeneas, and the other with a woman named Tabitha. And and what I want to suggest to you is that these are not just random encounters in order to place Peter in Joppa. That's part of it, yes. 
Yet, I think Luke also presents these two encounters right here in between these two great conversion stories as visible signs and as tangible expressions of the kind of difference that Jesus can make in a person's life. Now, I didn't come up with either one of those phrases, but I liked them a lot. It was John Stott in his commentary on Acts who says that these two encounters are visible signs of the new life in Jesus Christ. Then it was William Willimon in his commentary on Acts who says that these two encounters are tangible expressions of the new life in Jesus Christ. Aeneas' recovery from paralysis, Tabitha's resuscitation from death are such visible signs and tangible expressions of the new life in Jesus Christ that you can't miss it. You can see the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. And the difference causes all of those who live in the area to become interested. Luke will write in verse 35 that all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas and turned to the Lord. They saw the difference that Jesus had made. They turned to the Lord and they believed in him. So let me ask you again, how has Jesus made a difference in your life? And you might respond, well, he hasn't healed me from paralysis like Aeneas or resuscitated me from death like Tabitha. I hear you, but what I want you to see this morning is that these two encounters are the exception and not the rule. These two encounters have been written down to provide us with a visible sign and a tangible expression of the kind of difference that Jesus makes in the life of each and every one of us who turn to him in repentance and believe in him through faith. These two encounters are Outward expressions of the kind of difference that Jesus makes in us inwardly through conversion. Another way of saying it is these are physical expressions of the kind of difference Jesus makes in us spiritually. Jesus makes the kind of difference that we see here on the pages in here. What we see happening here, Jesus does in here. Are you following me? It's like John Newton wrote in the hymn, Amazing Grace. You know, that song is so familiar to us. It's one that maybe we can sing, and, you know, boy, I I hardly can make it through that song without tears. That song has drawn so many different people to God, to consider God, to think about Jesus. You know why? Because it's John Newton's conversion story. 
It's his conversion story. He shares in that song the difference that God's made in his life. He wrote, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And what these encounters here in Acts chapter 9 are visible signs and tangible expressions of is that I was paralyzed, but now I can walk. I was dead, but now I'm alive. You see, conversion is about paralytics walking and dead people living. That's conversion. You may recall in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals another paralytic. And this man uh, is being carried on his mat by some friends. It's a great story, wonderful scene. As, as they can't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, Jesus is teaching a large number of people, and they can't get him there, and so they go up on the roof, uh, and they break through some of the tiles, and they lower their paralytic friend right in front of Jesus. And Luke tells us when Jesus sees their faith, what does he do? He tells the paralyzed man to get up from his mat and walk. No, it's not what he does. He looks at the paralytic right in the eyes and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Oh, but this causes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were around to grumble and get upset. And so in response, Jesus says, so that you may know that I, the Son of Man, have the power and the authority on earth to make this kind of difference in him, I'm going to give you all a visible sign and uh, some, some tangible evidence by doing something to him. And so he says to the man, get up, take your mat, and go home. You see, in Luke 5, for Jesus, the recovery from paralysis was just a visible sign. It was tangible evidence of his power and his authority to forgive sins. It was just outward evidence of what he could do inwardly for that man. Can can you... When you read these encounters here in Acts chapter 9, can you see the difference that's made here? Can you see it? Put yourself in this story, these villagers in Lydda and in Joppa, and you can see the difference that is made here in the life of Aeneas. I want you to know something. The same kind of difference can be made in you here. The same kind of difference can be made in you here. When you turn to Jesus Christ in repentance, and when you believe in him through faith, 
When you surrender and submit your life to him in baptism in an everyday following, when you receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that kind of change can take place here. Transformation happens in you here, just like the change that we see taking place here. That's the wonderful truth of the gospel. Think about it like this with me. Before conversion, before you came to know Jesus Christ, before he entered your life through his Holy Spirit and changed everything for you, we were like paralytics, bedridden for our entire lives, paralyzed by our fears, paralyzed by our anxieties, crippled by our past mistakes, crippled by our failures, bound by our sins, bound by our pride. Does that describe you this morning? Are you you paralyzed by fear and anxiety? Are you crippled by your past mistakes and by your past failures? Are you bound by sin and by pride? If so, I want you to hear the good news of the gospel because it's right here in verse 34. Peter shared it with Aeneas, and I want to share it with you. It's the four most life-changing, life-giving words you will ever hear. Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. Listen, our sins, our failures... Our past mistakes, our fears, they take us out of the game. They make us ineffective. They paralyze us. And if if that's you this morning in any way, shape, or form, listen again to these words. Jesus Christ heals you. You've been set free. Get up. Get rid of your mat and walk. In the second encounter, Peter was summoned to Joppa where a disciple named Tabitha had become sick and died. Luke tells us, man, that she was just this remarkable servant in the church. She was always doing good and helping the poor. In particular, she helped clothe all the widows in the area. And so she's been placed upstairs in this room, her body. Peter sends sends everybody out of the room, and he gets down on his knees, and he prays. And then he turns to this dead woman and he says, Tabitha, get up. 
And the woman opened her eyes. Seeing Peter, she sat up. Peter takes her by the hand, helps her to her feet, calls in all the saints and all the widows and presented her to them alive. You see, each and every one of us can talk about what it's been like to go from birth to life. We've all traveled down that same path, birth to life. But Tabitha could now describe what it's like to go from death to life. Tabitha was dead, and now she's alive. There's no better way, biblically speaking, to describe what happens at conversion than going from death to life. Probably the primary text, one of the great texts describing conversion is from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. That's the language he uses. Paul wrote, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, in fact, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thought. Like the rest, we were objects of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. There's there's not a better description of conversion in all the Bible. Paralytics are walking. Dead people are alive. Listen, Jesus did not come to make good people better. He came to make dead people live. He came to make paralytics walk. He came to make blind people see. He came to make sick people well. Your conversion story is not that you were pretty good and you just needed a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in to make you better. You were dead, and now you're alive. Let me ask you one last time today. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? What's the difference? That's your conversion story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Oh, man, just the heart of this book here as, as your son through, through the early church, through your Holy Spirit, through, uh, just was changing everything, changing life. We believe that he still changes life today.
We believe that, that through that same resurrection power that he's making paralytics walk, dead people live, and we just praise you. We praise you for conversion. Father, I pray that the words on this page, that you'll take them, change us afresh today. May your Holy Spirit come and do his work in each and every one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, the invitation is for anyone here who has not been converted. If you're here this morning and you have not come to Jesus Christ to receive his healing, we want to offer that opportunity to you today to be healed, to be changed, to be transformed by Jesus Christ. Come today. Put your faith in him. Repent Put your faith in him, put him on in baptism, and walk. Come today as we stand together and sing.